Determination that becomes dedication is what we've been talking about for several weeks, and it's important for us to understand that it's one thing to be determined. Many people get determined and start after a task, and they set their goals, and they prepare for it. And somewhere along the way, they get sidelined, distracted, or just simply give up. God gives us the strength not only to be determined, but also to be dedicated and make those those decisions, those crucial decisions that will change our lives forevermore. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Romans 12.1, and we saw the commitment that's required in our entire body. We can't simply assent to something or agree to it or just begin to walk in that direction. It's more than that. We're supposed to sacrifice ourselves on the altar before we can really make a difference. Then we looked at 12.2 in Romans where we saw that if, if you're not committed wholeheartedly to God first, you're going to end up conforming to the world and getting away from that. I read this, this the other day. It said, it, it does not take great people to do great things. It only takes a consecrated person to do great things. A lot of great people come and go, and they make their mark on society, but ours is a destiny that's forever. And because of that, we need to stay focused on what God has called us to do. We're told not to conform, not to fall into that trap. That doesn't mean that you, you don't look or, or behave or act like you're human. Some people think that being a Christian is, is one of the oddest, strangest things in the world. Actually, we need to have a life that appeals to the world, one that does not crash and burn every time there's a problem, one that doesn't get distracted and doesn't complete its task. We need to be that person that others look to and they envy and emulate because that's what the world's looking for. We as Christians, if we're totally committed to Christ in every way, then we are committed to the church. The church is our base camp. It's the gathering of the believers, and it is so important that we take part in that. We ought to ache and moan when we're not together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to feel that absence of the influence that we have upon one another that, that moves us forward for Christ. You know, a lot of times we don't go to church for good reasons. Somebody's sick, we're working, uh, something's happened that we have to deal with, but then we get sidelined. And it's so hard to start back again, to, to get going all over again. I, I've got a good friend, and he, he loves to tell the story that, that he, he's an avid sports fan. He, he graduated from the University of Georgia. Uh, his son was a graduate of Georgia Tech, and he spent a lot of his days and many nights involved. But he said, as a pastor, he decided to quit the sports business altogether. And he declared his church the, this statement, this is why I've quit. He said, Every time I go to an event, they ask for money. The people with whom I sit sometimes are just not friendly. He said, the seats are too hard and they're very uncomfortable, and sometimes the game goes way too long, and I'm thinking about eating. He said, the referee makes a decision with which I don't agree sometimes, and he said, you know, sometimes I look around at the half-hearted people around me in the stands, and I think they're hypocrites, and I'm wondering why I'm there. He said, the halftime show is not quite as good as it used to be. And he said, it seems that the games are scheduled when other things are on that I'd like to see. When he got through sharing this, one of his members raised his hand and said, Preacher, 
you sound like me. That's the reality because sometimes we get caught up in other things in life and we forget of the value of gathering together as the body of Christ. I appreciate the fact that many of you have gone through this time of the pandemic and it's been rough. It's been tough on some. Some of you have been very sick. Some of you have been very bewildered at what you've watched happen. But the reality is we've moved beyond that. And there are others that are trying to get going again. Please encourage one another. Reach out to those that are going through difficult times because they need the body of Christ as much as we need them. And it's important that we're here. What does the Bible say about going to church and being committed to it? Now, I have to remind you, and you know this already, that there weren't buildings like this when the early church started. In fact, you know, God said, I don't dwell in buildings made with men's hands. So when we leave here with all the beautiful stained glass and the mosaics and all the decorations we have, the reality is God doesn't stay in this building. He goes with you. The Holy Spirit of God is within you for a reason. But when you gather together, you give strength to one another and you change the situation that they're in. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without Wavering. Wavering is something that we're good at, and wavering is sometimes based upon the reality that we have more than one option at one time. I can remember, and, and, and many of you do, when there were no activities on a Wednesday night. Schools wouldn't have any. There was a time in small towns, especially rural towns, that on Wednesday at noon, every shop would close. And everybody was anticipated to go to church on Wednesday night. But now in most of our bigger cities, uh, sports activities uh, that's on the level of our children will go on seven days a week. Sunday mornings, there will be ball fields that are full. People will be active. And, and there, there's so many options to go to out there. And I know that. So don't forsake that in the lives of your children. Remember, it's not your job to entertain your child till they're grown. It's your job to model for them the Christ life so they'll be drawn to it. And when we plant Jesus in the hearts of these little ones, and I love to hear them singing over here, I love to watch the excitement on their face. And when you look at them and smile, you know what you do? You encourage them. And we want to encourage them. We want them to, to continue to put in their heart and their life the life of Jesus and one day, it will move from being that beautiful story that we love to hear to that Savior that loved me and died for me. And that is so important for us to do in their lives. So I want to encourage you to do that. Bring your children to church. And, 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 you know, I always love it when our kids sing because, Jeff, when you bring the kids out to sing, even the grandparents come. I've got Methodists in this room today, and I love it because our children matter. And we want to encourage them. Now, I want to think about what this says about being a part of a church. And the first thing it says in such a powerful way is there's a significance in your being here. It's not just that you're filling a space. It's not just that, that you're sitting with friends in the stands. It's that you're gathering to experience corporate worship. The Holy Spirit of God speaks and guides in a mighty way. 
the conviction of the Holy Spirit on all of our hearts matter. And, and sometimes when we're distracted, we forget that that person just down from us may be struggling with a life issue and they need encouragement. They need prayer. They need a friend just to say, it's good to see you today. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Anything I can do for you? I like friends like that. I love the fact that, that from time to time, right out of the blue, one of my church members will just send me a text and say, How, how's your day going? How are you doing? I'm praying for you. That means so much. But I want you to reach out to people that you look around and you don't see right now and let them know that what they do makes a difference. Now, some people get away from going to church, and some people never really go to church at all. I, a show that I grew up watching was, y'all remember Thelma Harper? I'm glad she was never in my church. But Mama's family that was on, and she, Thelma was played by Vicki Lawrence, who's a great actress, and one time she's sitting there and she's aggravated with her, her daughter-in-law who always has an excuse not to do what she ought to do. And they're sitting there and they're discussing what's going on around them. And Naomi, her daughter-in-law, says, Now, Mom, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And Vicki Lawrence is sitting there washing ditches and without even turning around, she said, Yeah, you don't have to put a parachute on to jump out of an airplane, but it helped. That is a wonderful analogy because sometimes in life as people move forward in life and they leave things aside like worship, they get toward that time when they know their friends, their age are dying and going to heaven and their health may not be what it once was. You need that stability and that security of knowing you have a relationship with God that's real. And what's amazing, if you begin way back when everything's fine and you grow with Him, when you get to the, what I call the rapids on the white water of life, when you get to the rapids, you don't fear. Not at all. It's just like the person who's prepared to go on the field, to be a part of a team. They have a sense of nervousness, but it's not nervousness of fear, it's a nervousness of anticipation of getting out there. And that's what we have when we gather together and worship. God wants us to be a part of that. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, but encouraging one, one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, it's unusual. Jim Corgan pronounced our prayer over the offering this morning, and in that prayer he mentioned something about the world that we live in and the day we're in. The word day here in Hebrews is capitalized. Because it's referring to a specific day and it's talking about the day that we are living in today. Way back then, the Spirit of God spoke to them and said, The time will come that all that is joyous and brings us together and blesses us is going to pass away. We're not going to have the freedoms in the next ten years that we've enjoyed in the past. They're drifting away right now. Literally, right now. This week. Much changed in your life in America. But what matters is, are you prepared for that situation? I remind you that we're not to get upset. If America drifts away from its original moorings, that does not upset us one bit because Christianity began in an occupied territory ruled by some of the most ruthless leaders ever to exist, the Caesars of Rome. 
And yet Christianity flourished and it grew. So we're not saying that Christianity will, will drift to the wayside. No, the greatest danger we have in, in the Christian church is apathy in prosperous times. That always hurts us because people tend to, to take it easy and just sit back and say, you know, I don't have to be there. I'm just not going to go today. And they'll think, I really don't matter. I'm not that important. Let somebody else do that. The reality is, it's not who sees us in church. But do we understand our role in the kingdom of God? Do we really care about what God is doing? You know, people skip church for a lot of different reasons. I used to get aggravated, especially a church that I pastored in, in South Georgia. The town was small, smaller in Selma. I mean, things got around there as quickly as they get around in Selma. And I would very often, after church, we'd go to Walmart. We had a new Walmart there, one of the, the big super Walmarts. And we'd go out there and do our shopping. And nothing is, is, is more nerve-wracking than to walk up on a few church members that hadn't been in church in a while on a Sunday and you stand there, and you want to say, well, we missed you today. And then you pause, and you wait for them to give an excuse. You know, we've got to understand, it's not about satisfying the preacher, the deacons, or your Sunday school teacher. It's about making things right in your heart with God. Knowing that he's going to love you and be there for you, because he's going to love you all along. But the reality is, you don't want to treat God like he's a fire extinguisher. You want to treat him as if he's guiding you and leading you in all things. We're given a warning here. And I like the warning because the way it speaks to us, it says so much more than we could ever realize. Let me, let me read this to you again so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Verse 26 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Now, what it's saying is not saying you're going to lose your salvation. What it's saying is you're going to lose your influence. Because if you get to the point in life where you're not any longer convicted of your sin and, and you drift back into to the old life, and, that, and Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews made that just a, a doctoral thesis of the book of Hebrews, drifting back into the old life. When you do that, what you're telling the world is, you know, Jesus may have died on the cross for me, but it really doesn't matter. Because they look at you and they decide what God is really like by watching you. They look at you and they see the difference that he's made or hasn't made in your life, and that's how they decide about their life. Now, that's a frightening thing. This, this, in, in, in one of the translations, I like the way it puts it, it says, if we go on sinning willfully, and it means that we forget about the relationship that we have with him. It, it's quite simple to lose focus in a world that's just teeming with Christians doing all sorts of things. You can sit at home and turn on the internet or the radio or, or your cable TV and you can watch any one of dozens of services. And many people do that. But the reality is you're missing the most important thing about gathering to worship. Number one, there's something about the body of Christ coming together and worshiping that's just special. To sing together and to hear the voices in harmony. 
to realize that we're all here as the body of Christ, each one of us serving in a different way. I'm, I'm aware of the fact that as you get older, your body begins to fail in different ways. Your heart might become weak, and they have to put a pacemaker in to set the pace of your heart. You may end up with renal failure one day and have to have dialysis because your, your kidneys aren't working. You may end up with lung problems where you have to go and have treatments done so you can breathe. But the reality is, as the body of Christ, we are a body. And if one of you that, that, that's vital to what we do decides to stand out for a period of time, the whole body is affected. Everyone. You play an important role, and, and it's not a role between one another alone. It's a role in your relationship to God. It's, it's staying on point with God in every way. Fellowship of Christian Athletes was a part of my life for many years, and I worked for them, would travel with, with different athletes and would speak with them. And, and one of my favorite people I traveled with was an Atlanta Falcon, Greg Brazina. And he and I had many, many, many good gatherings with high schools all over the state of Georgia. But a man that I was touched by many years ago with Fellowship of Christian Athletes was Bobby Richardson, the former New York Yankee second baseman. And what touched me about him one day when he was speaking, and we were together in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he said this. They asked him, they said, can you pray? And they said, now, you're not going to have a lot of time, and we're live on television, so make sure you can fit it in there. And, and Bobby did something that most preachers can't do. He stayed within the time constraints, but, but he prayed this. This was his prayer. He said, dear God, your will, nothing more, Nothing less, nothing else. Amen. And I will never forget that because he summed everything up about our trusting in God in that one sentence. What a powerful statement. Some days, if, if I'm honest with you and you're honest with me about your situation, we get aggravated. We just need to get away. Sometimes you get into the routine of life and you just need to break away for a little while. But don't allow Satan to convince you that you don't matter and that you don't need to be a part of church. It's just too important. But lastly, I want you to think about the influence on your eternity. Not eternity, your eternity. Because after all, you were born and you have a, a, a date of birth, but you will never be unborn, but you need to be reborn. Because your body may die, but you're going to live on somewhere. You decide. I'll never forget a little guy about this tall who was about maybe eight years old doing his best to witness to people out in the front of a grocery store in, in the North Georgia mountains. And he, walked, he was walking up to people and handing them a little, remember the little chick tracks? He thrust a track in, in this man's face and said, Sir! Where's your eternity going to be? Smoking or non-smoking? <laughs> the man looked and he said, that's a little brutal, isn't it? I agree, it's a little brutal. But the reality is if we love people, we're going to share with them in a loving way about a Christ that died for them. The message reads this way in verse 26. It says, 
if we give up and turn our backs on all that we've learned, all that we've been given, all the truth that we know, we reject by doing that Christ's sacrifice and are left on our own to face judgment. And a mighty fierce judgment it will be. Don't find yourself in that place in life. Don't, don't end up putting yourself there. Don't, don't say, well, I used to be a faithful Christian, but something happened along the way. Or I used to be a, a, a lover of God, and, and I asked Him for one thing, and He didn't give it to me. God's not asking to change your circumstance, your situation, or your event. He says, give me your life. Trust me, and I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing to others. What this means to all of us as Christians is that, that we are to be demonstrators of the Christ life. We're to give people a hope that's real in their heart. We're to, we're to let them know that there's a difference out there that you can grasp and hold on to. When you're not here in church, you're not only missed, but you're saying something about the relationship you have with Christ. The storm is over. The virus has passed. You've done everything that you could. I'm amazed. I, I really think whoever planned out the program to get people to wear the mask should have been around back in the 70s to teach people how to wear a seatbelt. Because that thing never caught on. I still get terrified when I look at that. The best statement I've ever heard about seatbelts is this. A state trooper said once, he said, I never pulled a dead body out of a seatbelt. That'll scare you to death, won't it? But you know what? I've never known somebody that's faithful to worship to ever get lost in this world in their direction. You seem to know where you're going. You trust him. The old adage, a Bible that's worn out never belongs to a person that is. God has a way of sustaining us and giving us the grace we need. Bill Bradley, the famous pro basketball star, at age 15 had the most remarkable experience of his life, and he said it set the course of his life for the rest of his life. He was at a basketball camp, and they had a, a coach there that was really a special guy. And he brought in a college star that he looked up to. He said, this was the guy that I had watched in my early years, and I just wanted to be like him. And he said, I sat down in the front row on the floor, staring enamored at what this guy said. And he said, what he said and that gathering, when I was a little boy, 15 years of age, changed my life. Listen to what he said. The, the man's name was, was Ed McCauley. And Ed McCauley said this. He said, there will be someone out there somewhere with equal ability who will be working to the uttermost of his ability when you back away a little bit. And he said, somewhere on the court of life, you're going to come face to face with that person and they're going to win because you back down for just a little while. You see, life's that way. We can't walk away. We can't give up. We can't back away. We can't say, I need a break. I, I get tickled sometimes when, when I hear 
some young person say, well, I'm exhausted from four years of college. I need to take a break and go on a, you know, a, a jaunt through Europe and everything. I earned three college degrees while I was married and pastoring. Raised three children. Tried to impress upon them the importance of staying focused and disciplined. I couldn't afford to make an F because I was paying. And I, I just couldn't pay more than I had to pay. My daughter Lauren started at Mercer University and, and I wanted her to do well. wanted her to go to, to my alma mater. And we did what we did for all of our kids. We, I bought her car and sent her to school, and I said, I want you to be totally focused on school and not be distracted. Several weeks into school, she called me one night, late, 10.30, 10.45. She's crying. And I said, sweetie, what are you crying about? She said, Dad, I've just spent three hours studying for a quiz an exam, a quiz. And I looked at it, and she said, and like all kids, my kids are nosy, and she'd gone through all my college transcripts, every one of them. I have files at home, and she'd read through every class I took at Mercer. And she said, Dad, I kept thinking, when you took this class, you made 99. And I keep saying, I've got to do well. And she was crying. She said, Daddy, here's what I need to know. How did you raise us, keep a home, work full time, and do this? My answer to her is very simple. The grace of God got me through it one hour at a time. I said, I got distracted, but I always made sure the distraction was going to the refrigerator to get something to drink or to walk out and look out in the front yard and make sure y'all were behaving. But I always went back and I always made sure that I was ready. And I said, I know it's hard now, but it will pay off in the future. Dear people, you're building for something better than a portfolio or a retirement plan. No, you're building for eternity. This world's burning up, and we're going to have to get out of this ship because it's dying. This is not our home. You are a pilgrim roaming across this world. You, you have no real attachment here other than your family and your mission as a Christian. Make sure you don't get distracted. But remember this, the, the first, the most significant thing you can do as a Christian is to not forsake gathering together. Because Satan loves to get you away from the fold and away from the shepherd, the good shepherd, and get you distracted and then devour you. And we can't lose a single person God has blessed us with. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you give us a hope that's real. And discouragement comes in the life of every Christian, but the reality is it does not question our faith and it doesn't question our destiny. It only questions our frustrations at the moment. And God, I pray that anyone in the sound of my voice right now hearing what I'm saying would understand that discouragement is not of God, it's of the devil. 
Don't let discouragement eat away at you and overcome your heart and your desire to serve Him. And I pray right now for anyone in this room that's dealing with discouragement, that they would have the power and the faith to look into the eyes of Jesus and to overcome that struggle right away. But Father, beyond that, I pray if there's anyone here that needs to come forward and make a public statement of their faith, they've never done that before, and they need to because, Lord, you told us, if, if we will confess you before men, you'll confess us before the Father. You'll, you'll take our prayer petitions to the Father. And it's important for us to make that public statement of faith. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to be baptized or join the church, Father, speak to them today. Cause them to be faithful. May they make a decision that will be one step closer to fulfilling their destiny in your kingdom. And Lord, I pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen.